Well, hello and welcome to A Photographic Life. Anybody who listens to this podcast regularly will be well aware that Bob Dylan is a touchstone for what we do, creatively and intellectually, and of course, musically. Anyway, in the last week, he decided to sell his entire publishing catalogue to Universal Music. Dylan's entire catalogue of 600 songs um, was sold to Universal, who were one of the world's biggest music companies. While the terms of the deal were not disclosed, the New York Times reported that it was worth more than $300 million. It's around £225 million sterling. Well, cashing in on catalogues is a booming business. The London-listed Hypnosis Songs Fund, which gives investors the chance to make money from royalties generated by songs by artists from Beyoncé to Bonler Blondie, I should say, has spent £1.2 billion buying, that's pounds, buying 117 catalogues to date. Last week, it was also revealed that Stevie Nicks, a Fleetwood Mac singer and solo artist, sold a majority stake in her publishing company for $100 million to the music publisher Primary Wave. In November, the publishing rights to Taylor Swift's first six albums, the subject of a bitter row between the singer and the owner Big Machine, were sold to a private equity group, Shamrock, for more than $300 million. David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young has also recently sold his uh, music rights. Other back catalogue investments include Michael Jackson's, of course, purchase of 250 Lennon & McCartney songs as part of a $47.5 million deal all the way back in 1985. And if I remember rightly, I think Sony bought those back of them. So I think Sony maybe now own the Beatles music. I'm not sure. Anyway, unlike most big name artists who are locked into deals giving up publishing rights early in their career, Dylan owned the rights to his own music. He held on to his copyright. And that's where I'm getting to this week. That's why I'm talking about music and music copyright, because it's so important that we as photographers maintain and retain our copyright of our images but also that we build up our archive because it can have value. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's going to have the same value as Dylan's archive and song catalogue, but it may still have a a relevance to you. And actually, speaking to a, a photographer in the past week who has a great archive of work that's never really been seen, we were starting to talk about the possibilities for revenue funding and actually creating an income for him from that archive by thinking tangentially about how that image in those images could be used. We're entering the quiet time coming up to Christmas and therefore it's the perfect time to reassess archives if you haven't already been doing it all the way through uh, lockdown. It's also a good time to look at websites and social media and all of that kind of stuff. All of it has value. All of it is part of your broader photographic practice. But I just thought it was really worth uh, focusing on what's going on in song, sales, music, copyright sales over the last uh, few months. And I suppose a lot of it has got to do with the fact that a lot of those artists can no longer tour. 
and the touring was one of their central uh, revenue strands. So because of that, they're deciding to uh, to cash in. A lot of photographers this year have also had a, a lean year on the commissioning front, maybe the exhibition front, although I'm seeing a lot of photo books coming out. So maybe just the right time to reassess that archive. Think about what it could do for you. Think about where it can go. And as always in everything we do, try and think creatively. Talking about photo books and the amount that have been coming out, I spoke the other week about design and about how important it is perhaps to be creative in the way in which a photo book comes together and not to fall into uh, preordained um, templates as to how it should look. I saw Robert Darch's uh, new book Veil in the last week or so and in fact I've invested in it and uh, Robert's a great photographer really worth checking out Darch is D-A-R-C-H he appeared on a previous podcast explaining what photography meant to him so check that one out in the archive anyway what um, really struck me about Robert's new book a very personal uh, journey photographically that I'm really excited about looking at uh, self-published is that he's featured an illustration stroke painting on the cover and I just thought that was such a brave and wonderful step to take. It fits into that idea, doesn't it, that we were talking about just the other week about the importance of collaboration and also being open to different ways in which the photo book can work. Each week when I introduce the photographer who's going to explain to us what photography means to them, I quite often go into quite a lengthy list. Their bio, biogs, I should say, uh, can be quite fulsome. I often edit them down, so even what you hear is pretty short. Well, this week's contributor didn't present me with that problem because their biog is short, although the amount of work that they are currently working on and the areas they're working in are vast and certainly this week's photographer is somebody you may not be aware of but is certainly worth checking out as much as anything because what they are doing is bringing a very personal approach an approach that a lot of photographers photographers may feel or think doesn't fit within a commercial commissioned environment well jeremy liebman is proving them wrong and he's this week's contributor so Jeremy grew up in Berkeley, California and Dallas, Texas, but is now Brooklyn based. His client list is beyond extensive and includes Apartmento, the New York Magazine, Vanity Fair, the New Yorker, GQ, ID, Conde Nast Traveller, Apple, Nike, Levi's, Toyota, Prada and BMW. He's represented in New York by Art Department. Let's hear from Jeremy, shall we? Hi, my name is Jeremy Liebman. I'm a photographer based in Brooklyn. I have uh, worked professionally as a photographer for about 15 years, um, working primarily doing editorial portraiture, um, a lot of stuff in politics and in entertainment. Um, I photographed Vladimir Putin, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Steve Bannon, uh, as well as... Um, Michael Caine, uh, Kate Blanchett, and a number of people in the arts, um, like Yoko Ono, Quincy Jones, and John Waters. 
Um, I've also done a lot of personal work, which is less project or story-based and much more uh, intuitive and loose. Um, and I think, I think my answer to this question of what photography means is different in, in, I would have two answers, I guess I would say, um, one professionally, which is, which is to say that my role is to show the world as it is and to, uh, give as much of a voice to, um, artists and ideas and, uh, lifestyles, uh, as possible and to, sort of shine a light on, on, um, on those people or, or phenomena that I don't agree with. Um, when I photographed Steve Bannon, I, I received uh, a bit of online blowback about how I could possibly uh, give a platform to someone with such, uh, reprehensible ideas and beliefs. And, uh, my response then, uh, and, and, and still today is that, you know, I think that that showing those people as they are um, exposes the sort of bankrupt nature of of their program. Um, so so yeah, I think I think that um, continuing to do um, reportage and portraits, uh, showing parts of the world that are somehow genuinely connected to the way that we live now, as opposed to, you know, merely promoting, um, a, an entertainment agenda or a political agenda is sort of, uh, is sort of my, my goal. Um, as far as the personal work, I got into photography originally through my dad who had been a serious amateur in the seventies and then tried to make a, a, a commercial career in the eighties, which, um, which didn't go so well, but his work was, um, was very much in the Winogrand Arbus, uh, tradition of, uh, sort of gritty black and white street photography. Um, and when he taught me how to, how to take pictures when I was about 19 years old, uh, I wasn't doing it with any intention to be um, published to accompany any text to uh, be a part of any larger project, but but rather just to um, be expressive and to and to capture something about the world around me. Uh, and I st still carry a lot of that impulse with me uh, for my personal work as well as for my professional work. Um, I think that especially now with with the world being so described and the ways that we're supposed to be in it being so uh, prescribed, we really need photography that is uh, mysterious, that is open-ended, that is uh, not neat and tidy. Um, and so that's what I kind of try to pursue with my, with my own work um, to remind uh, myself and hopefully others that... Uh, that there is still uh, a lot out there that is uh, beyond our comprehension, um, and so that is what uh, what I'm thinking about these days. Um, it's all been very um, fluid, given given the um, political and uh, 
and uh, pandemic uh, turmoil that's going on. So I'm I'm uh, very grateful to Grant for for asking me to to take this time to uh, to reflect on on what it is that we do. Well, thank you, Jeremy. It's really kind of you to contribute. Um, themes always crop up, don't they, each time we talk about um, these contributions. In fact, funnily enough, I was having to give a talk about um, the latest book, the What Does Photography Mean to Me book the other day, and I was explaining it as a book that actually had very little to do with photography. And I think what Jeremy's talking about there is exactly the same. One of the key themes is that importance of the father or the parent um, introducing us to the medium. And I thought that was was interesting there, that somebody who's gone forward and is creating a lot of personal work, but also doing an awful lot of commissioned work, was coming from that place of learning. Also, that idea of the political stance. I, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about uh, a program I'd watched about uh, photography in uh, Northern Ireland during the Troubles, and one of the photographers said that um, I take photographs, I don't take sides. And I think that's uh, completely clear there in uh, Jeremy's, uh, Jeremy's, I should say, portrait of Steve Bannon, but also photographing Nancy Pelosi. Uh, you may notice this week I'm, I'm tripping up a little bit on my words. I've had a terrible cold and I'm absolutely uh, up to the top of my head with these drying out capsules so that I could do this podcast. So I do apologise if I'm tripping up slightly, but uh, I really have got a very dry mouth, although I've got gallons of tea uh, sitting next to me to try and keep me going. Anyway, thank you very much, Jeremy. Do check out his work and um, some really interesting points raised. Uh, just over the last uh, couple of weeks, um, some new articles have been added to the website. One about emerging and the use of that word emerging in relationship to uh, photography. That idea of competitions uh, all around the emerging photographer and then putting a uh, an age kind of uh, restriction on that between usually 18 and 30. So if you're interested in reading up on that, uh, there's an article about the correct or incorrect, shall we say, use of the word emerging. And there's also an article I've put up on the site, I should say the site, unitednationsofphotography.com around copyright. Um, not the kind of copyright we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, but about the copyright of our words. With so many photographers now giving talks and uh, interviews and lectures, uh, I heard a story about somebody who had published uh, a whole load of text um, and it raised a few issues for me. So I wrote an article, as I, as I often do. So you might be interested in checking that out also. What's interesting, and I, I point out in the, um, in the book, uh, sorry, in the book, in the article, is that at the back of the What Does Photography Mean to Me book, uh, I state that uh, all of the contributions to the book and to this podcast, the copyright for those, remains with the people who actually have created them. So I kind of stick true to my word as far as that's all concerned. 
Uh, I've mentioned the book. It's going to be the last time I'm going to mention it before Christmas. If you haven't got a copy yet, I really hope that you find £9.99 plus post and packaging to purchase a copy of the book, What Does Photography Mean to You?, in which 89 professional award-winning photographers from around the world explain what photography means to them. Uh, all of those taken from this podcast. I'm really hoping that next year we'll be able to do volume two. We've got so many amazing photographers uh, lined up and we've had so many good ones over the last couple of weeks. I hope you agree. Anyway, you can still get that book, although Christmas is getting closer, or maybe it'll be a New Year's gift uh, from Blue Coat Press. That's bluecoatpress.co.uk. Over the coming weeks, obviously, we've got Christmas and we've got New Year. I always ensure we have a couple of special episodes. So just to uh, forewarn you, the Christmas edition always goes up uh, at Christmas, and that will be a special. We've got a special guest giving a 10-minute contribution to that particular episode. And then for New Year, we'll do our New Year's special. And what a year it's been, and let's hope a good year coming up. And that always includes uh, a look back on 2020. Um, I'm afraid slightly from a negative perspective, but hopefully from a respectful perspective, but also trying to remain positive and also some suggestions as to what 2020 could bring us. And I really think what kind of positive aspects have come out of COVID and the lockdown in the ways in which it's forced us to rethink certain ways of working and certain ways of being. I certainly know from an educational perspective and from my teaching, there have been a number of things that I've wanted to do for many years and been unable to um, for various reasons. But this year, I've been able to do it because there hasn't been a, a choice for someone to say, no, you can't do that. And that's been great. And the uh, responses and the positivity that's come back from those uh, new ways of doing things from my students has been really reassuring. So as we come to the end of another episode and as we come close to coming to the end of another year and what a year it's been, you know what I'm going to say. It's what I always say every week and it, it remains as important as it ever was when I first started to end the episodes with this, these words, these, uh, this suggestion, just take care. <laughs>